I'd like to welcome you once again to today's September Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, Kimberly Holmes with Align Technology. Kimberly, you know the floor. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Ask the Expert webinar. You will each earn two CE hours for attending today's program and will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of this presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign Doctor site account. Please just allow us two to four weeks for your CE hours to appear on this account. Please note that you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we are unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited today, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions you may have. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site, where you may also access archived presentations of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Willie Diane. Dr. Willie Diane reached the level of Invisalign Elite Advantage Provider in the year 2005 and has been in treating Invisalign patients since 2000. In addition to his full-time private practice in orthodontics, he is a guest lecturer at the University of Toronto Department of Orthodontics, the Toronto Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the Ontario Dental Association, and the Alpha Omega Dental Fraternity. He holds a DDS degree and diploma in orthodontics from the University of Toronto. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to our speaker for the day, Dr. Willie Dan. Dr. Dan, you have the floor. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the country or even the world. What a great world we live in. So today I've been asked to speak about case selection with Invisalign and the first step to a successful outcome. As I tell many, many times in many of the lectures I give, it's not where I've been that matters, but more how I'm going to impact your choice in orthodontics today. And I hope this information will be helpful to you. When we look at malocclusion and criteria for aligner orthodontics, I'm going to go through what I believe are mild case selections, moderate case, and then other severe case selections. Each of these groups will be slightly different in the characteristics that they demand from us, both in the sense of how we control the aligner shape and also how we're thinking about our orthodontics outside of what we see in the ClinCheck. I'm going to be asking you most of the time to be thinking in terms of aligned upper and lower arches is not a treatment plan. Of course, it is a part of our goal for our patient to have aligned arches, but it is not in itself a treatment plan. When we think in orthodontics, we often look at cases and case records, and before we get to a clean check, we should have an orthodontic treatment plan. And we ask ourselves, what might I require in a case like this if I was treating it with braces and wires? What might I require? Would I acquire a headgear? Would the patient require surgery? Would the patient require elastic wear, bite plate wear, bite turbos? Do I have to open the bite? Is there a cross bite? Should the patient have more vertical dimension at the end of treatment or less vertical dimension? And even the wires themselves, when I finish the treatment on a patient or when I'm applying wires, will they be straight wires, coordinated, or maybe not coordinated? Maybe they'll have a curve of speed, or maybe they'll be flat. All of these questions should enter our mind as we look at a clean check. So let's start looking at a few cases. We'll start off with our mild case selection for a liner correction. And as we look at these cases, we'll be answering those questions I just enumerated earlier. So we're going to look at mild case selection, and certainly there's going to be some alignment correction. There might be some minor vertical and sagittal corrections, and we're not going to be looking for significant root movements if we're going to consider the case mild. So here, for example, is a patient with a class one, for the most part, posterior interdigitation, and a nice facial harmony, nice facial balance. We're going to be sort of saying our treatment plan is as simple as aligned upper and lower arches. We don't really want to change your facial balance in any great way. So my treatment plan before I get to a ClinCheck in a case like this would be asking myself, would I expand the posteriors or would I keep them in their coordinated state? Would I do IPR or would I procline the lower anteriors? So all of these questions are questions that I answer for myself before I get to a clean check. Because if we were to order 
aligner and ask just let's align the upper and lower arches, we'll certainly see a video where the teeth end up straight. But will they expand the arches? Will they procline the lower anteriors? We have to tell them that. And if we do IPR on the lower because we think her gingiva is too thin on the lower right one, then that might be creating some overjet. So we might have to do some IPR in the top. How much? So I answer these questions. And at the end of the day, I don't want to show you clean checks that are too simple, but I decided to do some IPR because I liked the position of the teeth that were not most proclined, but further back so I could protect the gingiva for this patient. I didn't expand the bicuspids. Does that mean that that's wrong or that's right? It's just my style of orthodontics. And your ClinCheck should represent your style of orthodontics. In this case, before I get to the ClinCheck, I have to look at my diagnosis. And do I call this a class one case or a class three case? Well, looking at the CEPH, which is part of our orthodontic records, I certainly see the class three tendency for the mandible to be forward. The maxillary incisor is proclined. And in my first go, and I call it kind of like an orthodontic golf game where we kind of take our first shot with the first clean check, we get much closer to the result, and then we're ready to putt the ball into the hole with a second call it a refinement, call it a mid-course correction, it doesn't really matter. And so in my first ClinCheck, I literally ordered aligned upper and lower arches. So I have many optimized attachments that help me to move the teeth to what looks like a very good occlusion in the ClinCheck. There are optimized attachments, as I said, to help rotations or extrusions of laterals. And there's not a lot of doctoring I need to do to it. And you might notice in the ClinCheck, there's just a slight lower midline off to the left, and it looks like there's a crossbite or a crossbite tendency on the left side. And if I look back at the original records, I actually recognize her mandible is just slightly to the left side with its longer on the right side. So when I finish this particular first set of aligners, there were only 11 stages in the bottom, the teeth are straighter, but the midline is indeed off because of the skeletal asymmetry. So on my second shot, which I take on the lower arch right away because I want to tuck the lower left cuspid lingually to allow the upper cuspid to erupt, I do a little bit of IPR to camouflage that asymmetry and tuck the lower left cuspid lingually. Again, that happens to be my treatment plan. Someone else might have started a midline elastic. And then what I do is I distort the aligners to constrict that area of the arch, just as you might distort a wire to constrict that area of the arch and put some lingual crown torque on a few teeth on the left side so that those teeth would tip lingually. When I get the time for the upper refinement, we might call it the upper putt shot, I'm on the green, the teeth are much better, but there's a little bit of touching up to do, fine detailing, which we often do in orthodontics. We have sort of what we call our aligners to get out of the mud and then our liners to finish. And the patient is successfully treated with 21 plus six aligners on the top and 11 plus seven on the bottom. So I actually embrace refinement. I'm not scared of it. In fact, I think it's part of orthodontic treatment to refine our cases and finish them properly, just as we would with orthodontic systems. Now, in the mild cases where patients are class one and their general overbite overjet issues are simple to fix, the lower incisors can be proclined, we're often going to use our smart force systems and they'll be in operation for our advantage. So when I look at these records and I decide that in this particular case, my treatment plan is as simple as align the upper and lower arches. There isn't a lot of sagittal or vertical changes that I need to make. So when I look at the ClinCheck, it looks like a putt shot from the beginning, meaning it's a very straightforward, the aligners at the end look like straight teeth, just like my wires at the end in this case would look like straight wires. I would not have to put in lots of curve of speed or lots of different compensations for all kinds of issues because at this level of, of orthodontics, just like our wires go in straight and our braces go in the right place, 
and this is the kind of case where I call it in a golf game, you might get a hole in one. You put in the first wire, your patient disappears for six months. When they come back, they might be perfectly straight and you don't have to do anything else to the case. On the other hand, more severe cases, that's not going to be the story as you'll later see. So with this ClinCheck, I only did one modification. I'll show it to you again playing, and that was to add this attachment on the lower right one, which I really can't show exactly the reasoning for it, but you can see that the rest of the treatment plan was built by the Smart4 system of Align, and I enjoy that benefit, especially in these cases where I call them hole-in-one orthodontics. So the optimized attachments work, the teeth track, I don't have to take into consideration many other movements that we'll soon see that come to play as to whether I keep an optimized attachment on, a, for example, the cuspids or not. And you can see that the optimized attachments are different size on the two cuspids because the computer takes into account the force system and the force vectors needed for these teeth and the force system and vector needed for the upper right cuspid is very different than the upper left cuspid. And so that even though they're both rotation attachments, they have different shape and size, as they should be. And so one here in this case, it's a 25 plus zero aligner case and 16 plus zero. It's like Tiger Woods does once in a while get a hole in one. And we too, once in a while in orthodontics, get a hole in one. It's not a demand. If the patient needed three or four extra aligners to finish properly, I would have been happy to make them but she was happy to be finished. She cooperated in an excellent way, and I was happy that she was finished, but it's still a finish. In this particular case, this fellow has a deep bite. He's 14 years old. He has some crowding, and his cuspids are not yet erupted. So we're going to be ordering our first set of aligners, even with the cuspids not yet there, and so there's no expectation to be able to finish because I cannot possibly control the cuspids at this point in time. Yet he's 14 and he wants his orthodontics finished on time with the rest of his friends. So we can start the case as we would with braces. We skip over the cuspids and make room for them to erupt. And then we fully expect that we're going to have to do, well, let's call it a mid-course correction or a rebond appointment where we're going to bond the cuspids and then continue to align them. So for me, this case has to start with the feeling that I'm going to walk into a second ClinCheck. In the second, this is the first order with the tabs waiting for the cuspids to erupt into their place. Again, there's a deep bite. So in a deep bite case, we're going to have good attachments on the bicuspids, which today often is being provided by the G5 improvements. We have our optimized attachments on a few front teeth. I have attachments on the upper laterals to support intrusion of the upper centrals. And the case opens up. And just like any other deep bite case, I might put in curve of speed correction that my wires actually demand an open bite in the case, even though I know the teeth will never fully express that. So even though this case looks like an open bite at the end of treatment with only 5% of overbite, I know that in the mouth, I, are, I rarely get a full expression of my alignment of curve of speed, whether I do that with aligners or whether I do that with orthodontic wires. So therefore, in the dimension of deep overbite, I'm often giving some overtreatment in my aligners. Now today with G5 improvements, it could be that as time goes on, I might have to reduce the amount of over-treatment I order as the aligners get better and better from Invisalign. So here this patient has been wearing their aligners. We're getting ready for the second order and you can see how nicely the cuspids followed their place in the aligners by the tab to erupt. Of course, these aligners are not having control over the cuspids in the sense of pulling them down. That's just their own eruption force, but it is controlling the cuspid so that it doesn't go way buccal or lingual and might even be helping it to not go into a funny rotated position. And then the patient is ready for the second order. In the second order, 
the lower arch is already finished, so we put in a wire retainer behind the patient's front teeth. And you can see how nicely the overbite improves from the first order. So if you'll recall, the ClinCheck had a little bit of an open bite around the laterals with only 5% overlap. But here you can see the beginning of my second shot, the overlap is closer to 10 or 15%. So that is what we expected and we want, because I do want anterior guidance in this patient. You'll notice that in the second order, we have optimized attachments helping the cuspids erupt. We once again place our lateral attachments on to help control the case through the front of the mouth. And there's 14 aligners, and the case looks like a straight set of teeth at the end because now it's a putt. We're on the green. And when you're on the green, your force level is less. So when you're playing golf, you don't swing the club very high when you're on the green because you'll shoot the ball right off the course. But when you're on the tee, you do swing high, and there are greater forces to control. And here's the patient at the end of the second order. I might call it two appointments away. And their case is finished to me. So I actually order an aligner number 11 copy as an Invisalign retainer, and then he comes in four weeks later, and we take all the attachments off, and this is how his aligner retainer fits. So I'm actually able to debond and put in a retainer on the same very day because of the use of the technology, making it efficient clinically and lessening the number of appointments. And so I'm happy to say this patient walked out about a year and a half later with straight teeth, and we treated him through the eruption of the cuspids. When we get to moderate case selection, here you're going to see our thinking has to go up. Many of the ClinChecks will not look like perfectly straight teeth, and we're going to have to raise the bar as to how we watch the ClinCheck and realize that just as we might bend our wires or place our braces in different positions to control roots, so too we have to bend the aligners or at least create aligners that may not look perfectly straight. So for this patient who has a class one denoalveolar interdigitation, but a very class two skeletal balance, and we wouldn't want to increase the vertical dimension, his smile line is good, but yet he has a deep overbite, I actually feel aligners are better for him than braces because in braces we have to put in bite plates and often increase the vertical dimension that would then rotate the mandible further down and back and increase the class two base of his skeleton, whereas we do not want to do that, and so that hence the advantage of aligners. So in the first ClinCheck that is presented to me, I analyze the force system. And I know, for example, the upper right lateral is going to move forward and it's going to move forward in a bodily direction. It can't afford to tip upwards off the occlusal plane because then it will be far too short. So as it moves forward, it has to stay on the occlusal plane. And that movement requires an attachment. And there is an attachment on that tooth based from the software. And so I accept that attachment. I accept and invite the software benefit of that tooth and I don't need to modify that particular element. But another element of this case is the deep overbite, and my desire to intrude the lower anteriors in a very, very big way, because I don't want to intrude the upper anteriors and hide the smile. Now, if I watch this ClinCheck from the beginning, and I put my mouse, for example, on the lower incisor, the lower left one gingival margin, and watch how it moves, there is slight intrusion of that tooth, but really at the end of the ClinCheck, it doesn't look like the lower incisors have been intruded very much. And the overbite in the ClinCheck is still about 25%, which might be where I want it to end up. But I know in orthodontics, we often over-treat that dimension in our deep bite cases, and we need to over-treat it here too. Now, because there's optimized attachments on the lower bicuspids, that could be optimized to derotate those bicuspids, but I know for overbite correction, I have to modify that. 
then I'm going to modify it so that in my final clean check I did accept, you can see I have bicuspid attachments on the right where the first clean check didn't have them and bicuspid attachments that are horizontal on the left to control the curve of speed. And if you watch the curve of speed correction, you're going to see we apply much more intrusion of the lower incisors in this case, and we treat it in the clean check to a small open bite. But I know and expect that clinically we won't get that small open bite. Another big modification is the upper left lateral. You'll see in the first clean check that the upper left lateral being triangularly shaped has to rotate, but there's no attachment on that tooth. Now, why the software in this particular case and at this particular time, although the software is constantly increasing its abilities and maybe today would show up with an attachment, it did not show up with an attachment in that particular time in Invisalign. But I know that upper laterals will receive a force from the aligners on such a triangularly shaped tooth that is going to cause the tooth to intrude. And so knowing the force systems of the liners, I decide I will put an attachment on that tooth to lock it in place. And these two attachments on the lateral and the two laterals also support slight intrusion of the upper centrals. So again, we need to be aware of all the force systems going on in a simple clin check like this and apply ourselves. But we do apply ourselves more deeply as the cases become more complex. And so depending on our knowledge of the force system in aligner orthodontics, we're able to apply better solutions. When we look at the final analysis of this case, the overbite never did turn into an open bite, and we do end up with about 20% overbite and good coupling. We have controlled the lower incisor intrusion adequately. We've controlled the vertical so that the skeletal balance is not more class two and we've treated him in 25 plus zero aligners and 19 plus zero aligners in the bottom. So again, it's a very efficient way of doing practice. So if we apply ourselves in the moderate cases, we can also once in a while get a hole in one in our cases. But we have to remember that ClinCheck is not a set of teeth moving and our diagnosis depends on so much more than what we see in the ClinCheck. So when we look at the case on the left, which we just treated successfully, certainly the case on the right, which is another slight class two div two pattern, should be able to be treated successfully with an align orthodontics. Yet the patient is very different in their vertical dimension. In the second case, I want to increase the amount of smile exposure. I purposefully want to increase the face height, reduce lip redundancy. So unlike the first case where the vertical dimension was important to maintain, in the second case, it's important, I've decided as an orthodontist outside the clean check, it's important to increase the face height and rotate the mandible and give this patient a greater vertical dimension in the lower half of the face to increase smile exposure and increase interlabial gap on smile. So in this particular case where I do want purposeful mandibular posterior eruption, I decide to use an anterior bite plane, which is a Essex with a acrylic anterior bite plane process to it. It's just a four to four bite plate and at the same time as lower braces to erupt the posterior teeth. Once the posterior teeth are erupted, six months later or eight months later, we're in a good solid steel wire on the bottom. Now the patient's face height has increased and his interlabial gap is bigger. He shows more teeth and his facial balance harmony is more adequate. We're ready to go to ClinCheck and do aligners on the top. So we're going to be using slightly class two elastics in the aligners because as the mandible did open up, a bit of class two shows up and we need that correction. Now, I'm not going to show you the clean check in this particular case, just for the uh, matter of time in this lecture, but notice that on the teeth level, I think we could have achieved the teeth level of results here by aligners in the top and bottom, but we should be orthodontists and still look at our patients in a facial balance way 
and treat them comprehensively. And so this patient who wanted aligners gets aligners, but I'm able to explain to him the benefit of the increased face height and improving his smile even more with the use of some braces, and he accepts the braces as a benefit to him. So although he wanted aligners and he got aligners, he got them on the top, but he realized the benefit of the vertical eruption on the bottom. Now, we will see a little bit later a case where I've achieved vertical eruption through aligners on the bottom, and possibly as time goes on, I may do some of these cases with aligners top and bottom. But if I really want posterior eruption in a big way, then sometimes I will use the lower braces. And we'll see that a couple of other times. In this particular case, I call it a moderate case because vertical dimension is good, smile exposure is good and healthy, we have crooked teeth, and aligned upper and lower arches is the treatment plan. But it's a little more complicated because now we have some significant root movements to control. So it's not enough to just have gentle tipping going around. Often we will take our braces or our wires and put special force systems to control roots like this. So many times people, if they were to approach this case with braces and wires, might overcorrect the root position or the bracket position on the lower left two and the lower right two and the upper right one to make sure that these roots end up in the right place at the end of treatment. So if you were to overcorrect a bracket position, how are you going to overcorrect the aligner force system? Because just like braces and wires work on teeth, aligners work on teeth. And so we have to have that overcorrection built into our aligners. So I'm going to use a couple of forces, no pun intended on the couple, and so here, the distal of the lower left two becomes a purchase point, and the mesial on the attachment on the lower left two becomes a purchase point for forces. And through this two forces on one tooth system, I'm going to plan on tipping the root of the lower left two distally. And it's the same story on the lower right two, and eventually on the upper right one. So as I apply this force system, something important to me is to stage the treatment so that the corner of the lower left two force system is not lost. Now, often in orthodontics, the order of tooth movement is rot rate, level, align, rotate, then tip and torque. But in this particular case, because I'm using the distal anatomy of the lower left two as a purchase point for force, if I rotate the tooth into alignment, the aligner will no longer touch the distal surface and I will lose this arrow. And if I only have the one arrow working, I'm going to end up tipping the root in a disfavorable way because then the crown will get a force distal and the apex will go mesial. So therefore I decide it's important not to rotate correct the distal of the lower left two for some time while first I correct the tipping. So I have decided as an orthodontist aware of the four systems in, in correcting the teeth that in this particular case, for this particular tooth, it doesn't mean it's a preference of mine, but just for this particular tooth, I'll instruct the technician to not rotate the lower left two distally for the first number of aligners until the tooth is tipped properly. It doesn't become a preference for every single tooth movement because not every single tooth movement needs that kind of instruction. So in this case, I take it upon myself to very carefully time and stage the correction of, for example, the lower left two. So if you watch the distal corner of the lower left two, for the first 20 or 25 aligners, it doesn't move lingually. And at the same time that it's not moving lingually, the tooth root is tipped distally. And only when the root tipping is fully corrected does the tooth then walk back into the arch and become aligned. So we change the order of movement of this tooth from the usual movement is rotate level align tip torque to sort of a tip torque first and then rotate level align. Or actually the rotation did occur early, but we didn't let it tip and align until later. And so it was able to rotate, 
but while it rotates, the distal corner was left in the vestibule, so I kept my two-arrow force system. And that's how we successfully end up with a tooth root in the right place. And that was true for the upper right one, the lower, the lower right one, and the lower left two. But for the rest of the teeth in the mouth, I let the computer and the software do its default. So it would be just like us taking our you know, smart force braces system that has all the in-out tip torque built into it, put the braces in the right place on every tooth, and then just overcorrect the three teeth in this mouth that needed our attention. And then we placed our wires in, and if we have our attention on the three teeth we need, we can get a hole-in-one even in this case, as we did with 28 plus zero aligners. Now, occasionally, we're all going to meet a challenging tooth that needs help. And sometimes this challenging tooth is the lower cuspid, and often the lower cuspid is the culprit of a tooth that needs a lot of help. Because these teeth, if they require root tipping, we have to remember that compared to the shape of many teeth in the mouth, the lower cuspid puts up a big challenge. It is very ice cream cone shaped. There's not a lot of good grip on the tooth, and it has a very long elliptical root. So unlike other teeth that may be tipped, but the shape of the teeth lend themselves well to a liner grip, the lower cuspid shape does not lend itself well to a liner grip. And then in addition, it has an extra long root that's not round but elliptical. It can make it a difficult challenge. Now, one of the things as orthodontists that we should do is always tell our patients that if indeed we have such a challenging tooth, we may have to place a few buttons or braces to fix that tooth. It doesn't mean the whole case in its entirety is not Invisalign. It just means there's going to be help for that tooth. And so the lower cuspid is often a tooth that presents that challenge. But we still have to treat it orthodontically and fix the root into a good position. And if we do make mistakes with our ClinCheck, there's always one more way of learning how not to do it. And that's the way I look at it. So I'm always ready to do 90-10 philosophy if a patient needs it. But as I grow with my aligners, I can actually solve challenges that used to require a few braces before. So we are going to doctor what we need to doctor, but we don't doctor everything. So let's look at this case and let's diagnose the case first. You'll notice that the lower left cuspid is rotated and the lower right cuspid is rotated, but there's a big difference between them. The lower right cuspid has a lot of distal root tip and it's going to require mesial root tip to correct, while the lower left cuspid is in a normal inclination at the beginning and it can be corrected without a lot of attention to root tip as opposed to the right cuspid that needs a lot of attention. Let's look at it in the ClinCheck. The first ClinCheck that we get shows optimized attachments on both cuspids, derotation of both cuspids, alignment of the lower incisors. So this is the first ClinCheck. Now this is the ClinCheck that I indeed did accept. And you notice that on the left cuspid, I kept the optimized attachment, but on the right one, I changed it. Now we're going to see some differences in this ClinCheck, but we'll have to look at it from another angle. Notice also that the bicuspid attachments have changed from the first ClinCheck to the one I did accept because I added more curve of speed correction, as we'll see. So here, I'm going to put my mouse on the, if you want to call it the center of the, of the lower part of the crown to symbolize to you how much tipping there is in this particular ClinCheck. So you'll notice that the root position of the lower right three in this ClinCheck does come forward as we played that video. Now, an optimized attachment is optimized for rotation of a cuspid. So when this cuspid rotates, that's a good one to derotate it. But an optimized attachment isn't necessarily optimized to tip the root. So if we look at this video and we know that there's an optimized attachment, but there's also root tipping, we have to think if that attachment is what we want. And I also look at the curve of speed of this particular ClinCheck and realize that 
I would correct the curve of Speer, overcorrect it more than what's shown in the ClinCheck. So in the final ClinCheck, I've added attachments on bicuspids to correct more curve of Speer, and I've changed the attachment on the lower right cuspid so that at first, during the alignment of these lower incisors forward, the tooth root is tipped forward. And then it's rotated and pushed into position, and you can see more curve of speed correction. So in this particular ClinCheck, we are thinking, how would I place a bracket on that cuspid? Would I place it to purposefully tip the root forward? And if so, what is the right force system to generate the forces to do that? And I decide to modify that attachment. In the curve of speed correction on the left side, you'll notice the optimized attachments for the bicuspids and the lower incisors at the end of movement of the lower ClinCheck are not really intruded compared to the cuspid. And so in the second ClinCheck, we can see there's more intrusion of the lower incisors and it's supported by the bicuspid attachments. So both in the curve of SPI and in lower incisor intrusion, we're being more directive with our forces and on the cuspid as well. And here you can see the tracking two aligners before the end of this patient. And you can see how nicely the lower right cuspid has improved and both in alignment from the occlusion and also in the overbite. And so we're actually able to finish this case as well very efficiently, very effectively. I can find no better system than using aligners and doing my orthodontics in the ClinCheck, I call it, because then once I get to the clinic, things can be very, very smooth, but you realize that to make it that smooth in the clinic, we have to be thinking of force system in these videos and not necessarily a video of teeth moving. When we get to sagittal challenges, it's really the same story. In both these arches, the alignment of the teeth is a fairly straightforward project, and so, a line can take good care of creating aligners that align the teeth. And often we will get excellent alignment. But to correct the sagittal relationship requires elastics or headgear or jaw surgery or something outside our wires. And so we have to think in moderate cases outside our wires. And so here you'll see that the seven does not move distally at all during the ClinCheck. So I can show the patient what happens if you align your teeth, but you don't correct the class two, your teeth will still stick out. Then from stage 21 forward, I have some IPR in the case. I don't really want to do IPR and I'm hoping the patient will wear elastics to correct the class two and I won't need to use these aligners. And then I show them at the end of the ClinCheck what they can look like if they wore their elastics, why we wouldn't need those aligners and we wouldn't need to sand the teeth. So by doing that timing and having the patient then wear aligners and elastics and get their sagittal correction early in treatment, so by stage nine, the patient has already gotten rid of all of his excess overjap, and that's only three months into treatment, then six months later, he's not even worn elastics for the last three months at all, and he's in a steady class one. I don't need to do IPR. I'm able to do a four aligners on the top for a refinement, and I was able to finish the lower. So again, it becomes very efficient if we can use that ClinCheck to teach the patient their sagittal correction. But you notice how the case is stepped up from the hole-in-one because we have to think of, again, the four systems that will be generated when we put elastics into the case. But far and far, I find cases correcting earlier and faster with aligners and elastics than aligners and what I experienced before. And this is the patient in his one-year Bavera or a Visalign aligner retention, and the occlusion is still steady and no excess overjet. Let's look at the class three case and see just how that works. Here, this patient, again, it's a moderate case because 
alignments will take care of, aligners can take care of alignment well, but we have a sagittal correction to deal with. So we can see from the inclination of the lower incisors and from the inclination and rotation of the lower cuspids that if we were to align these teeth and only align them, we'd end up in a class three end-to-end -end bite. So during the first order, we're going to have class three elastics. Now you see the elastic hook on the lower, but the upper, I put the button on the lingual, and I'll show you soon why. And this way we get both a crossbite advantage as well as a derotation of the upper molar in this case advantage. So you can't see where the elastic is hanging on the button on the lingual of this upper molar. But what you do, or what I do want to show you, is that as we progress this ClinCheck to stage 16 or 17, you can see the crossbite that starts to develop in the lower arch as the lower arch is aligned. And if we don't do anything else, we're going to end up with an end-to-end -end bite. And then the patient would not be able to bite their back teeth together because there would be much interference on the front teeth. We'll watch that in this ClinCheck here as well. So by the time we get to stage 17, the teeth are starting to run into each other. And certainly by 21, their images are folding over or, or coming together. And this would be an end-to-end -end class three bite with a midline shift. And that's representative of the skeletal or dental class three that is present in the patient. But will the patient actually show this or will they be better if they wear their class three elastics? And that's why I left the IPR till the end because only at the end of the ClinCheck will I do IPR if the patient isn't wearing enough elastics. But if they wear enough elastics, we won't need to do this IPR and we might get the occlusion without using those last five or six aligners. And so at stage 15, which is about nine months into treatment, or I think it's well, six months into treatment, 30 weeks, the patient by ClinCheck should have very little overjet. But in the mouth, because of her class three elastic wear, the patient already shows some excess overjet. These teeth aren't even touching. Now the, the aligners are tracking very well. So this isn't that the teeth aren't following the aligners. The teeth are following the aligners very well, but she is enjoying her class three correction from her elastic wear even before the aligners are finished aligning the teeth. So this is a sign to me that if this patient keeps up with this good elastic wear, or even I could decrease the elastic wear to only nights only, I'm not going to need those last five, six aligners for IPR and I'll be able to um, avoid the IPR and then finish it without IPR. And that is exactly what happened. So when this patient came in and she didn't wear her last lower aligners, we have not done any IPR on the lower. She's already enjoying a solid class one relationship with good overjet overbite, no trauma on the anterior teeth because she has camouflaged her class three discrepancy through her elastic wear in the last nine months. And so then we go to what I call the second order. And in this particular case, her top teeth, I think we only needed to derotate the upper cuspid more. So we removed the attachment on the upper cuspid to put a new one. And on the lower, I kept the old attachments because they're going to help me in derotating the lower cuspids. And so it's a minor amount of movement. The patient can even wear these aligners once a week and finish her treatment. Unfortunately, I do not have her finished just yet, or she's just finishing now in my clinic, but it's finishing very well. When we get to crossbite challenges, again, we are now in the moderate phase because a straight set of wires isn't going to do the trick. Now, this patient has several problems. He had orthodontics done before. He has a canted occlusal plane facial asymmetry. There are many, many different treatment plans, but we decide on using crossbite elastics to correct the crossbite and using asymmetric canted occlusal plane forces 
to give him better or to reduce the canted occlusal plane that he shows in the incisors, of course, we realize it's not going to be perfect unless he does jaw surgery, which the patient doesn't want to do. And my question to you is, again, if you have a case where you have a patient come in with a crossbite, lingual crossbite of the 7, the 6, the 5, would you simply expand the wire in the back on the top on the left side and constrict your wires on the lower and not have a crossbite elastic or would you add a crossbite elastic to help the correction along with your wires and braces? And so too in aligners, I am going to be adding crossbite elastics from lingual of upper to the buckle of lower with buttons and the patient will wear crossbite elastics while we correct the crossbite of three or four teeth down one side. Now at stage zero, the ClinCheck shows zero correction. At stage nine, the ClinCheck shows end-to-end -end correction. And at the end of the first stage or the first um, order, we have overcorrection. Because just like I would build wires that are overexpanded on the top and constricted on the bottom, so too I build the liners that are overexpanded on the top and constricted on the bottom to support the crossbite elastics. But just as I believe that aligners are not strong enough to do the job themselves, I also know that if the patient cooperates very well with elastics, they may end up correcting the crossbite before the aligners. And that's because just like the aligners aren't power enough to correct aren't powerful enough to correct the crossbite by themselves, they're also not powerful enough to stop the correction of the elastics. So here, this patient at stage nine, where the aligners at stage nine only show an end-to-end -end correction of the teeth and it is not yet overcorrected, at stage nine, because of good elastic wear, this patient already has the crossbite corrected. And so now, from the rest of the stages, I can have him on his crossbite elastics at night only. Now, you'll notice, and you'll recall in the first pictures of this patient, his canted occlusal plane is lower on the right side. So all the way through the ClinCheck, I'm going to be producing intrusion of the upper right side anterior teeth supported by attachments at the back on the right and by attachments on the left anterior teeth. So that every ClinCheck will look like I've over intruded the upper right one, upper right two, and upper right three. And I'm doing the same kind of cant on the lower arch. And the end of the first order, the patient has a typical aligner posterior open bite due to wearing aligners very, very well and crossbite elastics. And so we actually do the second order with a bite jump and intrude the anterior teeth and then allow the mandible to close since he has a bigger vertical dimension and any auto-rotation of his mandible will be an advantage. And once again, on close-up pictures, it looks like the upper right one and upper right two are over-intruded compared to the left side, but that is a camouflage of his canted occlusal plane. So when you look at him on the teeth level, you might think there's over-intrusion of these teeth. But when we look at him on a facial level in smile, because his maxilla is canted this way, this is the best that we can do for him. So at the end of the day, his canted incisal plane is better. His crossbite is well-corrected. And I feel very good about his treatment, even though he still has skeletal asymmetry. Finally, in cases of open bite, I find aligners to be super powerful in the moderate and starting severe case. And again, it's a question of managing the force system. Now, this isn't the lecture to go into all the details of how it is that we create um, posterior open bites with selective posterior intrusion. And at the same time that I intrude posterior teeth, I intrude some selected anterior teeth and then at the end of the ClinCheck show a bite jump. And again, these attachments and how we do this in each particular case can be very specific. But at the end of the day, we take these cases that have long face heights, thin gingiva, 
open bite tendencies and allow them to have some closure in the vertical, healthy gingiva, healthy anterior guidance, and their open bites don't get bigger but get smaller. I found no better system to do this than aligners, but it does take some tricks in the clinch act to think out the four systems, but it is a great example of what I call working smarter and not harder. So when we get to severe case selection, now we're going to know that everything is going to jump up a notch. Everything that we explained in the moderate is going to jump up in the severe. So when these patients arrive, would you be able to even get all the braces in the right place to treat this patient non-extraction? Would you have a repositioning appointment? Would you be using IPR? Would you expand the bicuspids? How much would you expand the bicuspids before you decided you needed some IPR? In fact, I think this case is treated better by a line than by braces because I can plan everything in the computer in a much more projected way. I can see how much expansion I will allow and I can decide how much IPR I need in advance. And then I can decide what staging of the IPR and I can control certain teeth movements. So if the periodontist tells me not to move the upper right cuspid or the upper left cuspid buccally at all during treatment because of the thin gingiva, I can control those teeth and not move them for the first aligners. Now I know that this case is going to require a mid-course correction or a bracket repositioning, I might call it, because at the beginning there's no way I could get all the brackets in the right place. So to me, doing a mid-course correction is a for sure thing in this case. It's not a, the aligners weren't working. I had no expectation of the aligners to work all the way through the case. Then we do a second order that takes us to this stage, and because our patient didn't wear elastics on the right side, we do a small third order of some IPR on the top and get good anterior guidance. So again, this is a controlled orthodontic treatment and I call it a PAR-3 case. We kind of did a first order, second order, and third order, but we have control and we have good results. And it took us three shots to get the ball in the hole. So I enjoy this kind of orthodontics, but again, it means a lot of time up front on the ClinCheck. It is not a let's just order aligned upper and lower arches and see what the ClinCheck says. This is going to require a lot of doctoring, but it is a very enjoyable way to practice. And if we doctor it well inside the ClinCheck, we can have very organized appointments built around this system. So if we have good systems in our clinic to deliver aligners and have patients wearing them, we can get very successful results with efficient use of our clinic time. Here, this young teen has a deep bite severe crowding. He even has crowding at the back and the front. Of course, I have a consult. We talk about all kinds of options. In this particular case, this patient would not have any teeth out. He would not have his sevens out, would not have his eights out, would not have his fives out. They didn't want anything out, and they wanted to know if we can make it better. So we decide to order a ClinCheck, but you'll notice that in the ClinCheck, there are some optimized attachments some regular attachments. There's an excessive curve of speed correction so that at the end of the ClinCheck, there's actually an open bite in the ClinCheck. Now, you never know at the beginning of a ClinCheck how much curve of speed you need. This is often a question I get. How much curve of speed over correction will you need? Well, you don't know it in the beginning of any orthodontic case with wires. So you put in your first set and you see how it works. And here in this particular case, when it came to refinement, the patient actually did have some open bite. So I had to let that open bite relapse, if you like, in the refinement aligners. And that's not a problem. That's like taking a patient who has a curve of speed wire, seeing them at one visit and saying, wow, let's swipe out uh, some of this curve of speed because you're getting too much correction in that dimension. So in difficult cases, Refinement is a normal part of orthodontic treatment. You have to use a second wire. You have to visit the case again when it's closer to the end 
and make that refinement call. But you won't be able to diagnose at the beginning the exact nature of what kind of call you're going to be making when the case moves along. In a lower incisor extraction case, we're going to, again, be doing all kinds of special mechanics to create virtual gapel bends at the time when the patient has their teeth most surrounded by plastic. So the order of treatment and the staging of treatment is a little bit different than we might expect it in braces. And we can get successful cases. And even at the end of treatment, we have to keep some overcorrection of certain root angles, just as you might overcorrect a bracket position to make sure that certain root angles end up parallel inside the mouth because you know that wires and braces don't fully express and that's why you overcorrect the positions of brackets on teeth so too aligners don't fully express so if you overcorrect them inside the clincheck you can get some nice parallel teeth as you get close to the end of treatment and then you can finish the treatment with some refinement in this case on the bottom only and put the teeth together so a lower incisor extraction case is, has the same parameters of orthodontically why I choose it as any other case that came in orthodontic diagnosis from records, but it's still capable of being able to be done with aligners alone, but it is certainly one that we're going to be managing the four system. And then there's some very, very big open bites that I'm doing as well with a line, and I find nothing better than aligners to do these difficult, difficult open bite cases. Of course, I ask yourself in your clinic, is this a part two, three, four, or five case, or maybe more? And how many orders will it take to move this case through? It's going to take several. So this is severe case selection in aligner orthodontics. But in aligner orthodontics, the beauty of it is you're able to get anterior guidance with no vertical elastics, and posterior intrusion, rotation of the mandible upward and forward to reduce vertical dimensions, I don't find that there's anything better out there than aligners to treat these open bites. When we get to the deep bite cases, then we have to think of where might we want some posterior eruption. So the face height of this patient will be helped by lower braces and upper aligners, but the upper aligners can take care of torque intrusion of the upper anteriors, leveling the curve of SPI, and a place to wear class two elastics. And then we end up in a very, very good and healthy place. And so Invisalign embraces the perfect couple. This girl was treated just before her wedding. Of course, this isn't Toronto. So if, and in case any of you think that she got married in Toronto, this is a destination wedding. Toronto usually doesn't look like this in the summer or winter. Let's look at one special case before we finish. This patient has a very, very deep bite. Overclosure, certainly there are surgical options and all kinds of options. But one thing I'd like to show in this case today is that when we use curve of speed wires, we expect our bicuspids to erupt. So if that is the case in our wires and braces, if we have two curves of SPI facing us, and we're expecting the lower bicuspids to erupt during clincheck, and the upper bicuspids with a curve of SPI wire in the top to erupt, what will that look like in the clincheck? So in the clincheck, when we look closely, clincheck is used and the software is built to avoid occlusal trauma and resolve hard posterior contacts. But in this particular case, if we want the lower bicuspids to erupt and the upper bicuspids to erupt, and we would do that with braces so that the patient would open their bite, that means that during the clincheck, we're going to have teeth that look like this, erupting into each other. And it's an odd thing to look like at in the clincheck, but remember, that's what you're doing with your wires every day in your practice. So when you see it in clincheck, you have to accept that because if you start intruding posterior teeth, then you're intruding posterior teeth and intruding anterior teeth, which means you're intruding nothing. Because biomechanically, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So if we're going to order the same kind of movements that we order with wires in our aligners, 
we're going to have to get used to sometimes clinchecks don't look like a set of moving teeth. It's a set of aligners changing, putting force on teeth. And you can see in this case how her vertical dimension is opened up through the help of the class two elastics as well, how we solve a very, very deep bite on a patient in 37 aligners we haven't finished yet. And when she gets time for the second order, I get to enjoy the benefits of the G5 bite ramps that are just going to make the situation even better. So the first order was before G5 features. The second order is in G5 features. And I have no doubt that our orthodontics will be able to come a very, very far way. So to bring patients like this, which are very difficult cases, and move them to this level of orthodontics in less than two years is a great achievement for us as orthodontists and for aligners as well. So I hope that I've shared with you today that aligner upper and lower arches, aligned upper and lower arches is not a treatment plan. Just as we in orthodontics think outside of our wires and braces and we take records to have an orthodontic treatment plan, so too with aligners. And the more simple your original orthodontic treatment plan would be, the more your cases will fall into criteria, as I've shared with you today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Sydney did also place our survey link into the chat. So if you would like to take our survey and receive your CE credits, it's available for you there. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time on our Ask the Expert webinar. And thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend.